0: Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 219, Spy Racers Homecoming, season six. I'm Joey Lewandowski.
1: I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Hall of Famer baseball player Dan Brothers. He was a power hitter in the era built for speed and contact at the plate. Check out Dan Brothers at the Baseball Hall of Fame.
0: Well, shout out to Dan Brothers in the Hall of Fame or whatever. With us tonight, we have with us our Spy Racers correspondents. We have of the HTML podcast, the X is for podcast podcast, and the Hubs Plus Network. We have Kevo Reese and Nico Basilo. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. We had more Spy Racers, of course, so we had to have you here. Are you sad that this is the maybe the end of the journey? And do we think, the first question on everybody's mind, is this actually the end of the journey? Well,
2: I was going to say, to answer your first question, no, I'm not <laughs> sad. To answer your second question, I hope it never comes back.
0: Will it come back, I guess, is the question.
2: I don't think they would have said this is the end if it wasn't. Will something else that's a spy racers cartoon happen that maybe
1: yeah it does kind of seem like they were like pivoting to be like okay spy racers is over but we might have an echo spinoff type situation no i was thinking yeah, a, a, a
0: sissy spinoff like a oh, next fair. generation spinoff yeah. here but yeah nico and what about you or so yeah yes yeah, that's that is i forgot that that's dom oh, Sto- that, not sort Sto- of vin's yeah. daughter
2: yes that's why that moment where they meet in the episode is really cute.
0: Very, very into- very smart. Very smart. But Nico, what about you? Are you uh, happy that it's over? And do you think there will be more?
3: So there's a card game, a French racing card game called Mealborn. And yeah, it's great. one of my favorite games in the entire world. You finish a round of Mealborn at 700 miles. When you've traveled 700 miles, you call Mealborn, and everybody goes, ah, French, fuck, card, fuck. And Uno, you did it. Ex- Uno's pizza, and that's what you do. You know, Unless the person who hits 700 miles says, oh, no, I want to go the extra the extra leg, and you can go for up to 1,000 miles to earn more points. And when it's been a particularly long journey of Mealborn, you find yourself being like, if this motherfucker tries to do 700, I swear. If this guy goes yeah, for 1,000- done <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna f- i'm gonna smash his fingers as he reaches for the card i swear to god
1: right that's how you feel about spy racers you're just like
3: we've done the 700 yeah if this guy calls for the thousand i'm gonna flip the table i'm gonna pull a chris Podcasts and i'm gonna straight up be such a sore loser i'm gonna flip the table and i don't want to feel this way you
2: know i really love the cast and the characters and i really love a lot of things about the series you know, now thinking about the entire series in retrospect, every single, vi- every single thing about it is like super weirdly ableist and
1: anti-environment. And I don't know what message they're trying to send with that. It, it was weird this, this season with the like, it was trying to be about how bad global warming is, but it kind of like put its foot You're in its mouth. Yeah, that and they also were like, oh, the bad guy's just going to do the opposite.
0: I spent a lot of time, and this isn't exactly the the, the criticism that you guys are saying, but I spent a lot of time this season trying to figure out why this show doesn't really work for me. Because I do think, and I said this to you guys on Facebook before, like when we were scheduling this episode, that I do think the first couple episodes of the season are like an, a real improvement. I can't exactly really know why, but they were like, "Oh, this would have been a really good, interesting, cool show." The best I can sort of suss out of why I don't love this show is because there are extended action sequences, and we've been very, you know, upfront on the main episodes, that the action sequences in the main movies, the live action movies, are not what we come here for. That they're amazing, they're breathtaking, we love them once, but we don't watch the movies again for those. We look for the character moments. But in here, there's something about the action scenes where, like, they're very dragged out, and even though it's a cartoon, they're not necessarily over the top, and even though they have, like, spring boots in the cars, or, like, invisibility cloaks, or, like, crazy stuff, like, they don't really go full out, and I feel like what an action scene, an action scene that should be five minutes is now suddenly like eight or nine minutes. And it just pads out like the way that the season feels padded, these action scenes feel padded. And I don't know if that's a function of it being a kid show or animated or what, but I feel like the action, because there's a lot of action here and I just don't think that it works very well. Cause I do agree with you, Kevo that like, I like the characters. I actually really like a lot of characters and I, I'm kind of sad that we're going to like probably never see a lot of them again, but like, I don't know, man. It's just whatever they're showing is not what I I don't think what I'm interested in.
2: I think you really hit something on the head, too, when you pointed out, like, it's a kid's show, but at the same time, like, this was a weird franchise to turn into a kid's show. You know, the Jurassic Camp thing. Kids love dinosaurs. So, yeah, sure. And I think Netflix just thought kids love cars, but... I, so many things about this series can't fit in the same universe as the t- as the movies. And I think one of the biggest examples for me of what you're discussing is the last episode where the beginning is a fun, playful race, but like. Layla flips Tony's car, and then he he uses a grappling hook to grab her car and drag himself along, and then somehow uses the steering wheel to flip his car back over. And they're just on their way to the movies. What? So much bizarre damage to their very expensive property, and for what, to make kids kind of giggle? But I don't think that will.
0: I really have no context because I don't have kids and I'm not, you know, as we talked about, I haven't really watched a ton of like, you know, non-Pixar animated stuff in a while, but like, right. is, do you think this show, is this show largely funny to kids? Like, what's the mood? What's the tone they're going for? Because I feel like now that this is ostensibly the end of the line for the Spy Racer show, we can sort of look at it like in a more overall global sense. And I do want to talk about the stuff this season, like the good and the bad, but like, what's the tone they're going for? Is this supposed to be fun? Is it supposed to be like scary and exciting? Like, what exactly are they trying to like do here? It's really hard to say.
1: It feels like early Power Rangers to me. Like, do you have you guys ever rewatched Power Rangers? Oh, I've watched.
3: That's Power R- a Rangers yeah. That's I, a crazy I, question. Yeah,
0: they love the Power Rangers. Like a top five or ten thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like,
1: when you watch it now, it fe- like when I was a kid, it felt like the episodes were like long and there was like a story to them, and now it's just like action, 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 action over, and you're like, oh wow, that was like twelve minutes of just nonstop action. I think Spy Racers kind of feels the same way to me. And I don't know if it's maybe just because, like, I don't have a child's perspective. Like, would it feel, like, longer and more of a story, and the action wouldn't feel like the entire thing if I w- was smaller?
3: Well, so, okay, number one, I'm going to go with the use of the word smaller to mean if you were a more miniaturized person, <laughs> would yeah. this show's pacing work better for you? Because you're, like, one-fourth the size you are now, so the world seems big. Exactly. Yeah. I think part of the problem is, like in with Love, I think we're all trying to look for reasons something didn't work better than we need to. I liked this show. I thought it was cute. I think it kind of wore out its welcome. I think part of what this show suffered from was its name, and part of what this show did the best for was its name, and I think the vibe was Dumb Kids Show. Because there's elevated kids' shows. Wait, wait, wait. Dumb like, where's the dumb? Is it a dumb show or a show for dumb kids? It's like a show that leans on, like, silly, fun, dumb crudeness. It's a show that – Yeah, okay. So, like, sort of, like, empty – Yeah. Sort of – Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, and not even in a bad way, but, like, you know, there's good – like, if I'm going to have, like, a dessert, right, and it's a random day – I'm going to think to myself, oh, man, I probably want to have, like, a slightly better dessert, like a healthier dessert. And then at Christmas, I'm going to eat every piece of cake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you try and meter it out. So please don't get me wrong. I watch a lot of game shows and a lot of variety shows. So I, too, look for dumb a lot. <laughs> yeah. But you're talking about a franchise that maybe takes itself too seriously while well, not taking itself seriously
2: enough, either.
3: Yeah, so I think this show suffered from being Fast and the Furious, the way it benefited from being Fast and the Furious. Nothing summed up my feelings on this show better than how perfectly Dom's mouth animation barely moved. <laughs> it was an attention to detail in a way that if you were unaware of the Fast and Furious franchise you would think was weird and sloppy, like the way the dog jumped into Mrs. Nowhere's arms on the plane in a way that looked like an Alice Clipart clip being moved Oh yeah, that, place. Was, that was bad. Perhaps the way Dom held up a giant wall on his back. Oh my like, god,
0: what was that?
2: Get
3: out of here, I, I think I'm it's
0: very funny it You know that after several seasons of no in-universe Fast and Furious character showing up, that Dom, through six seasons, he's the only one who showed up. So, I mean, we had that answer kind of early on, I think, that he was going to be the only one, that he finally shows up again, and the role he plays is literally savior of the world, that he saves Sissy, and he also saves an entire group of people.
1: He's playing Vin at one point, too, which is also very weird, because it's like, why would Dom Toretto know all these actors? But he's like, "Oh yeah, I know all the actors in Hollywood." And it's like, I is this all a the Vin work cameo? Because I'm dumb. That's what I do. I help people work on cars and I teach people how to play soccer. as my studio. I thought
2: Dom was a little bit of a ghost, who's only known by the racing community. And instead, he's like, "Yeah, I trained all these stunt drivers." When? When you were oh, in jail?
3: Now I wish Dom was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would make these movies so good. Dom's always been a ghost coming from the other. He's the spirit of the fast force. Well, there is a
0: new Reddit theory. I put it on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this, but speaking of like sort of supernatural magic people, this is from a Redditor named Laurenstar7 that says that Dom is one of the Madrigal family members from Encanto because he's all about family and he has superpowers and it's all about cars. So I'm just like, you know, it might not be a ghost, but he's like a magic being in another animated thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with him being ethereal and otherworldly and superpowered. Well Well, it's family. a fast horse thing. Family. It's
2: family. The last movie where we were like, how is he able to swing a giant stone pillar? Dom just has super strength now. And at least in a cartoon show, it seems a lot less silly than in a live action film.
0: What was your, we'll start with Joe. Joe, what was your favorite moment in homecoming? Cause there's 12 episodes. Again, this is yeah. the longest season by far so far. Every other season has been eight, I believe right? And this is 12, so it's an extra 50%. So a lot more to watch. But Joe, did you have a favorite moment or a favorite character or favorite anything in this season?
1: I don't think it was a moment for me. I think that this season kind of broke into like four arcs is what I think I counted. And that third arc where they're kind of Not spies anymore, and Layla's a stunt driver, and they're shooting the movie and they're on like the movie set lot and stuff like that. I think that that entire chunk of like two and a half, three episodes was really, really nice. And I think it's just because it didn't have like so much bloated animation action sequences, and it was just like them just trying to find their way, and it was like them kind of hanging out and like sussing out what they were doing and stuff like that and that I really enjoyed that that chunk of it and it was like the part that I paid the most attention to so not like a specific moment but that that piece of it I really liked
0: yeah because that that takes place after they're basically excommunicated or fired or let go from their nameless spy organization and they're just sort of civilians again right yeah they're all they'll kind of get like day jobs in a way even though they're all you know teenagers
1: yeah and when I like watching that I was like wow I think that the show could have benefited from having more of this as opposed to just, like, like why did we need four different set pieces of finding the bad guy this season when we could have had eight episodes and five of them could have been them finding their way?
0: Yeah, I think that's a weird thing. And I want to get your, your take, the, the story related take, Nico Kevo, is that, like, I felt the pacing as it got on was kind of weird because, like, once again, they're dealing with AI. And then at the end of the 10th episode, they capture and arrest dan the sentient ai who's been you know harassing them all season i'm like is this over because it feels like all right here's our happy ending and then like of course dan comes back but like kevo specifically do you think this did this needs to be 12 episodes or is it 12 episodes for some kind of like syndication or whatever contractual purpose
2: probably the second one because they brought it up to 52 episodes and 52 65 and 100 are very significant numbers in syndication and pick up orders especially for animation Hmm. I also wonder if being told this was the definitive final season uh, gave them four extra episodes so they could you know I, I don't know have some fun and make fun of disabled people again Because a lot of their stuff is actually specifically ableist in a way that I never noticed before until I I, I read this thing that was talking about the concept of evil prosthetics is something that came from the 80s and Uh. is specifically harmful to disabled people. You're saying that this person who needs a prosthetic is being turned evil by it. You're saying that this person who is augmented by
3: medical help is being made evil by it. Because what's next? Evil vaccine magic? I, yeah. Like, kind of literally. If we're saying anything that you put in your body to help offset illness or inability or disability is a potential thing that can possess you and turn you against everything you love. It really is sort of like a, a foreign... I mean, it, it in many ways, especially with the 80s, it actually does kind of verge on that AIDS fear that, you know, gays are all werewolves out to turn your kids gay. Don't touch them. So, you're specifically talking about the Matsuo thing and about
1: how
0: he doesn't really even have full control of his arm and he has to like give into his like yeah. deformity
3: or whatever to ultimately save them.
2: Well, and then Dan too. Dan's not very different from that either.
3: Especially when they're like, let's reprogram the Dan bots. Like, we've already come to understand that the Dan bots are capable of becoming their own people in a matter of speaking. And so, to all of a sudden just be like, reprogram them to do a hamster dance, I was like, Ooh, mind control growing sentience. I'm pretty sure mind control was considered a bad thing in season two. So what, what's happening here that all of a sudden we're allowed to use technology to program emerging consciousness? Like, there was a lot of not really thinking out the complete idea in a reasonable way. And it actually just came up in one of my precious X-Men comics as well. There's a thing called X-Men Unlimited, which is an online kind of weekly book. And there was an arc called X-Men Green, in which a number of the X-Men became environmentalists and decided to attack people for uh, hurting animals. And one of their plans was to blow up an oil rig, which would kill all of the animals anywhere near it. So you are literally... As bad as anyone else. And that's what this show did as well. It turned, Dan
1: did it. Dan did it a bunch yeah, of times. The same turned, exact thing. Yep.
3: Any environmentalist is all of a sudden okay with killing humans so much so that they're willing to kill all the animals and the planet too. It's such a simplistic, stupid view that we would never allow people to use on people. right? We Unless we're literally going to start having things where we say that Republican generals go into war saying... Just start shooting all the kids because it's the same thing as shooting all the soldiers. I don't fucking care anymore. Then stop having environmentalists do it. Because if all we ever show is the people on the right side of the argument being too extreme, we're immediately working to vilify the stance. I understand that we're talking about an automotive cartoon, but <laughs> the issue here is that these cars these these movies have power and they should be using it to help Further progress, not make it sound like anyone who doesn't agree with the automotive industry, is literally trying to kill your family.
2: And that's the thing, and why it comes across as specifically anti environmentalist because all of their villains, really, most of them, have been extremist environmentalists, and they're a bunch of people with cars fighting them. There was no sort of, yeah, we are killing the planet, they have a point, at any point in this.
0: (laughs) even in the in the Fast and Furious Crossroads video game not the Spy Racers video game but the Crossroads video game there was an, an there was an electric car we're like oh that's kind of cool cuz like that's something that the Fast and Furious has never actually in universe touched on and like that wasn't here either and i felt like watching Dan this ai whose plan is basically to simplify it like thanos right she's like i need to save the world yeah. by basically destroying all the big cities and like, yeah, people are going to die, but like people are going to live. And so Thanos just like, Hey, you know, we're too overpopulated. Very simplifying this down. If we kill half of all people, the other half can have a much better life and the planet's going to survive. Right. It is, it does feel kind of weird and like disingenuous in a way that it's just, it it doesn't exactly track. I think you're right. I think I, I sensed that, but I didn't articulate it in my head as well as, you know, you guys brought
3: up just now. And I think part of it is that it, it is such a prevalent story right now you know these things tend to be like very uh like they tend to be very cyclical and i I think 20 years ago or so was you know world millennial tribe in 2001 and we were all here to save the world it makes sense that people who were hyper influenced around that time are having reactions now i mean take a look at the return of the matrix right
0: new episode of keanu club available now wherever you get podcast go on
3: ding I think for me, the mistake of the folly of underselling your own ability is that if Fast and Furious spy racers don't see how these sorts of things imprint on people, right, then they don't believe in their work. And if they don't believe in their work, why should I?
0: Yeah, and I think – I'm pretty sure we talked about this in an early season of Spy Racers, but the the weirdest thing of all is that this is ostensibly marketing to kids, hey, cars can be cool and fun, right? But, like, there's a very real chance that a lot of people – a lot of kids, not people because we're people and we have driver's license – but, like, a lot of people who – watch spy racers may never actually drive a car that they will grow up in an environment in a world in which ride sharing is more cost effective than ownership or self-driving cars eventually self-driving yeah robotic or ubers or whatever right so like it's weird that they're basically training a generation of kids to be like hey cars are cool but, like, a lot of kids – there's a chance that a lot of kids watching this show might never actually give a shit about cars because they won't have to. They'll be like, I press a button on my phone and I get to go where I want to go. Like, why would I – who cares, right? And like, there's always people who, like, are interested in driving for the fun of it, like, even, you know, yeah. kids who haven't driven yet. But, like, there's a there's a really good chance that, like, a lot of kids watching this will never have to drive a car, so why would they?
2: Because it's like how people are still into typewriters or whatever. Like, yes.
0: yeah, you can.
2: They exist. Records,
0: but- Yeah. Nika, did you have a favorite moment, favorite part of this season of Spy Racers?
3: Yeah, I guess I did. Um, you know, because I, I know I'm, I'm kind of shitting on it because I'm, I'm all about responsibility and stuff. And I, like I said, it's just been this is a, a hot button topic in a few places, both the, you know, evil, evil science transformation and, you know, the anti-green crusade. So there actually was a lot to like in this. Genuinely, there's that moment in Parks and Rec when Leslie says... At the the inauguration, I look out, and there's Barack Obama. He made it! Hey, buddy! And that's kind of the vibe I got from Dom showing up for Tony. And so, like, that was probably my big moment, Dom and Tony getting to be, like, legit bros for a second. Because, you know, that's been such a weird relationship to try and sell me on. I know not everybody is exactly like all of their family, but... Tony has turned out to be particularly dangerous to himself. And so (laughs) he he doesn't come off quite as domsy, you know? So getting to see him see his idol, who, man, I don't know. I don't know who Vin Diesel gets to tell what to do, that he is six times the size of Tony. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that you could literally build some sort of domazord out of six smaller tonys did not go unnoticed to me
1: he is massive yeah. yeah
3: so that was probably my favorite moment when uh when vin diesel called up the animators and was like hey you guys know that bridge that you gotta use in every scene because this is dreamworks Make me oh
2: my god my that fucking bridge <laughs> yeah that ravine was in half the episodes, and I know it so well, and I know it from DreamWorks because it was a major location in the DreamWorks animation series Troll Hunters. That's literally where the trolls lived, in a hole in that ravine. So I know it. I recognize it. The fact that they used that setting, especially toward the latter half of the season, like every episode, was insane to me. And it's part of what made me feel like were you given less money despite being given more episodes? I don't understand.
0: It's just like that exists in an Amazon Web Services bucket somewhere. Just go find the assets yeah. and just plug it in and like we're good. And just, you know, Control-C, Control-V, we're done.
2: It's pre-rendered in the DreamWorks archive. Just pick it up and go.
0: Yep. It was very sweet, though, that at the end, did I write down the quote where Tony was like... Being a spy is part of who you are? Because I loved that. Being a spy is part of who you are. But you're a leader. You're the head of that family. That's who you will always be, which is what Dom says to Tony. But Tony... or yeah, but Tony says something along the lines of, like, all I've ever wanted is to beat up a guy with my cousin Dom. And it's like, okay, yeah, like that's kind of a simple – because that's one thing that actually did – like, there was character arc through the series is that Tony started the show trying to impress his cousin Dom and by the end impresses his cousin Dom. And, like, it took 52 episodes to get there, but, like, <laughs> even though he's kind of the, the least technically savvy and, like, the least proficient of his entire group, you know – uh he does help save the world. So shout out Tony Toretto. I kind of
2: wish then though, that Dom had been played up a little bit more. If this was where they'd always been planning to go. It's not that he never mentions Dom after the first episode, but it didn't really feel like his consistent goal was wanting to be taken seriously by his cousin dom and maybe it's because he wasn't coming back for anything but the series finale maybe that's part of it they didn't want to draw attention to the fact that he wasn't around because i also loved that and i feel like that's so 16 17 to be like i just want to beat someone up with my cool older cousin like i also appreciated it but it also drew my attention to the absence of Dom, or really anything else Fast and Furious in most of this franchise. I wonder what we would have to say about this animated series if it was just Spy Racers and there was no Fast Furious connection. But then
3: if it was just Spy Racers and there was no Fast Furious connection, would we have had to deal with some of the stuff we dealt with? Because then, like, would the monkey have just been more central? You know what I mean? Like... Would it have leaned the more? The has a name. His name is Donut. Let's give him, let's credit him by Absolutely officially. right. <laughs> Would right. Donut have been a more central part of this cartoon? Because that's kind of what it is for me. It, we had to put up with some of the dumber shit of this show because some of the dumber shit of this show is what allowed them to make the, you know, kind of like low-budget decisions that could keep this a Fast and Furious show. And by low-budget decisions, I just mean like, you know, they're not trying to rock the boat too hard. They're trying to keep this a franchise. And I respect that. Like, I legit do. I respect the game. Like, not being funny, you know. They had a mission. They wanted to make a certain amount of money based on this product line, this product line that, for all intents and purposes, should be making bank, especially as an animated series. This really should have been a no-brainer for the network. Yeah. And so the fact that it kind of could never get out of its own way in many ways actually is reflective of how we're able to get that Dom and Tony moment. That Dom and Tony moment only occurs because Dom never sees Tony fuck up. Dom only comes in at the end and sees Tony as this completed, finished, you know, man. And is like, yeah, I'm proud of you, boy. You're doing the thing. It's a good time for everybody. That's the only reason, because if he had been there over and over again, he would have been like, damn, man, you're a screw up. You're like that guy from the first movie who Nico never remembers the name of. Oh, he was cute, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Nico, you asked a a question
0: in our Facebook chat the other day about, like, how much would you have watched? How much would I have watched? Would we all have watched if this was not Fast and Furious? And I think if this was not a Fast and Furious property, if it was, you know, sort of not beholden to the franchise, it would have been a better show that I would not have paid any mind to, right? That it just would have been like, because I Get feel that. like it it expands to a greater audience, and not just us, but people who like like the brand recognition. Because if it's just like a show on Netflix called, like, Spy Racers, so you're like, okay, cool, but like Fast and Furious Spy Racers or Transformers Spy Racers or, like, whatever Spy Racers, right? Like, yeah. a, a, an IP that people know is going to open up to a whole thing, but also you have to sort of play by to a certain extent by, like, the rules of that established universe and whatever. So would have been better, probably would not got have gotten six seasons. We wouldn't be talking about it. We wouldn't have spent... Oh, boy. Uh, a
1: episodes talking about it. How many?
0: So there's 52 episodes, Joe. When we watched the first two hours. seasons twice. And we yeah. watched the first two seasons twice. So that's like 66. Yeah, so maybe like 20. So 36 hours. Yeah. Oh, jeez.
2: Oh, I did Out the math our... because I wanted to know how many episodes we had, how many hours of this we had to watch in the last two years.
0: Yeah, a lot. A, a lot is the answer. So... Thank
2: you. Yeah, I don't know. Well, first, thank you. Yeah, thank yes.
0: you. Yes, okay, Kevin, did you say
2: you have a favorite part of this season? I did not, and I actually do. My favorite part is twofold. Okay. I loved the moment at the end where they razzed Layla into having an emotional breakdown.
0: Very sweet. I like that. Yep.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was cruel, but she's such a bitch all the time. I love her, and I'm a bitch too, so I get it. But like, that was really funny and helped bring the whole concept from season one where she was a villain back around full circle. In conjunction with that, I love that she and Tony never got together. And instead, the major romance that we focused on was Ms. Nowhere and Palindrome. This show, at the end of the day, had very little heterosexual visibility in a way that I so, so appreciated. Where the person they gave the romance story to is a hardened, middle-aged black woman who seems too severe to have any time for a personal life, and to instead use that opportunity to humanize Ms. Nowhere as a character uh, was really, really great, and something that definitely meant a lot to me uh, about the show overall.
0: I think the end of this was really good. I think the season starts and ends really well. I like having Paul Shear as the general or the commander, White, in the beginning. I think he's Oh my god, great. right. New friend of the show, Paul Shears. I like that they got Keith David to do, like, basically the channel his best James Earl Jones as the narrator of that, like, documentary or whatever.
2: He's literally playing his role from the earlier season of Community where he was the Ken Burns narrator. I love it. It's so good. Love Keith David. Loved that.
0: It's and so good. And they got um Jimmy Tatro back. They sort of pull out all the stops of bringing people back here, which I think were really good. And I, I agree that at the end like the wedding on the plane i think it ends really nicely the palindrome is nowhere wedding mm-hmm. i like that it's on the plane that they you know skydive out in those squirrel suits mm-hmm. like it ends on action
2: ends with them not driving but okay
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean sure but like you know in, in the in the real movies it, it all expands or whatever right but like the issues that i have with the season the same issues that i had like there's never really a compelling villain but I didn't like. I didn't get emotional, but I'm like, I'm actually gonna miss some of these characters. I think Ms. Nowhere was it's really awesome. w- well yeah. rounded by the end. I'm gonna miss her to a certain extent. I think Echo is awesome. Yeah. I like that they were true to Echo. That like everybody got fired except for Echo and Julius and and Gary because it's like, yeah, you guys are the only ones who are like good at your jobs. Like I like that the characters they actually developed characters. I mean, it was very slow and incremental, but over six seasons, like. I know and like these characters. I think it's kind of cool. Like, I did not like really the show at any point. But, like, overall, the sum is greater than the parts, in a way, I think. I think. I think
3: that's fair to say. I completely agree. I think at the end of the day, these characters were sort of crafted in sort of a a funny, maybe tongue-in-cheek way. I feel like these characters were kind of crafted with the parents that are going to watch this show in mind. So it's that thing where frequently animated shows kind of make this deal with themselves. Look, we can either be interesting story-wise, or we can be super sexual and provocative, and the kids will never get it, but their horny parents will, and, you know, <laughs> animaniacs, basically. So I feel like they said, we can't really show off the fact that Ms. Nowhere was in Hamilton. We can't really show off that Tyler Posey has an OnlyFans. What can we do? We can make the characters interesting. Yeah, the adults are going to know who they are for those reasons, but we can't do too much with that. So let's just have a good time with it. And they kind of wound up creating these characters who were too good for the stupid situations they kept being put in over and over (laughs) again. The characters were way too good for the stupid situations they kept being in.
0: Yeah, like, I think the movies have a villain's problem, but I think this show in particular, like, even more so is a villain's problem, and I agree with you, Nico, that, like... The villains were the writers. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's (laughs) very well said, but, like, these (laughs) characters kind of deserved better, which I feel is, like, a sentiment that I never would have thought that I said, because, like, for most of the show, I'm like, I hate Tony, like, nobody gives a shit about Cisco. you know, Frosty is, like, all over the place, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they deserve better so justice for all of them i guess even though justice is a different thing altogether justice for spy racers i did like
1: (laughs) i did like what you guys are kind of like that i was thinking and you guys are kind of talking around right now is i did like the continuity of it in the sense that like in this last season because we had another season like this too where they just were like okay these are all the old bad guys again Mm -hmm. and they did this again and i'm like well, at least I don't have to learn, like, a million new characters yeah. every season. <laughs> and I felt really good about that. And, like, when I was watching, I was like, oh, it's Julius and Gary. And I, like, knew their names before they said them. And I was like, I guess there is- this is making, like, a small impression on me. Like, I remembered, like, to distinguish those two. Rafaela's back a little bit. And I'm like, okay, right, that's Yeah, cool. and it yeah like I left- loved
0: her. It wasn't like last season where they're like, "Who are these people?" It's like, "Oh, you don't remember them from the first three episodes of the first season." It's like, "No," but it's like, "Oh, there's a there's a mystery villain here." It's like, "Yeah, of course, it's Raphaela." Like, who? It's not somebody <laughs> new. Like that's yeah. not how the show operates. But you're right, Joe. Like it's somebody that we know and that we're really familiar with, which is like on the one palindrome
1: two. Yeah, like not him.
0: surprising, but like also kind of welcome in a way, right?
1: It felt good to me. It was it was definitely a comfort. Like, I was like, ooh, thanks. Like, we didn't try to do something real. Like, we added one new character this season, essentially.
0: And she was AI, right? Like, yeah. We, I feel like that was, like, clear, but also, like, not at all played up to the potential. Like, she's, you know, sentient AI or whatever, right? But, like, I don't know. I felt like she was just, like, a person, largely.
3: I think they tried to avoid um, making her a person so they could beat her around a little bit more. And then I think they tried to avoid making her a robot so they could reprogram her brain at the end a little bit easier. (laughs) I think they really did have a villain's problem here as well, where they just weren't really willing to commit to either version of the villain.
1: That's very fair.
3: Yeah, I wish Spy Racers had been more Power Rangers. I wish it had been more high-low stakes.
2: I feel like another thing that points to huge flaws in this show is, what's the name of the stupid holiday that makes no
0: sense?
1: Explosion Day.
0: Incineration uh, Day. Incineration
1: Day. Thank you. What the fuck
0: was <laughs> that?
1: <laughs> I, yeah, that that was the part that lost me. Like that the, that first four episode arc about Incineration Day, like until we got Raphaela, I was just like. This is the part of the season we could have cut completely out that has nothing to do with anything.
0: You know how we collect all that contraband? It's the day that we blow it all up in the desert. It's like, wait, what? Why? And again, it's hard to take you seriously when, like, that's what
2: your spy organization does. You want us to believe that you're some sort of spy organization that has government oversight, and that's what you have them do?
0: But what I did appreciate about that is something that we had criticized it earlier seasons for is that, it actually let us see toys in use. Okay. There's a mood swing bomb that Tony gets oh, hit with. There's yeah. a fear bomb that Cisco gets hit with. There's the portable weather machine we see in a play. There's the laser contacts that Tony uses. There's the gum that comes back into play. The gum. Yes. And I was I was wondering as I watched this if this was like the writers like we had all these ideas that we were never actually either able to or allowed to use. Now we're actually able to, and I wonder if that was kind of the point of it. And, like, if that's the case,
3: cool. Part of the problem for me that, like, I immediately find myself faced with in this discussion, I don't know that I think the toys were fun enough to smash. When you take all your toys and start smashing them together, it should be because it's so much fun. Right. And outside of Rafaela, I don't think these characters are so much fun.
2: You mean, like, fun to play.
3: Yeah, like these characters, I'm not like, oh man, I was so excited to see Lyle Gorch, or whatever his fucking name was. And oh, Cleet. Cleet. And I, I, <laughs> he
2: was who I swear was not voiced by Dave Thomas this season.
1: Did you guys, I just started and have been crushing through Schitt's Creek, and was it so funny that they brought up raw milk in this for no reason? Did they? I did not even notice that. Yeah, then.
3: and it's also, uh, that joke first appeared over in Parks and Rec.
1: Did it? They have the
3: hottest new thing, beef milk.
1: It's milk from a cow. (laughs) So yeah, it was just like a weird coincidence that like I've been blowing through that and saw that part. And then like that was like Cleet Cleaves Cleave Cleet, whatever one. It was his like, oh, yeah, like I was I was on the raw milk this week. I was like, did you guys just steal that from them? Like that's such a weird thing that you should be. Uh, Kids aren't going to know what that is. I think it's almost too, like, niche to be a joke for the adults, too. You yeah, know what I mean? Me too. Yeah, Yeah. I get that, like, okay, kids aren't going to know what it is, so, like, is that for me? But, like, is it, like, a Netflix you crossover? You would two weeks ago.
3: I'm sure it's much more like, hi, my name's Mike, and I used to be a dairy farmer, and now I'm a comedy writer. I'm going to write about stuff I know.
0: There's also a chance it's just, like, a, a trendy thing in L.A. that both writing teams are
3: making fun of. or oh, something, yeah. right? Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, fair, I mean, fair. like, there's, like whenever I see Megan Gans name on a TV show, I'm like, she doesn't sleep because (laughs) she writes every TV show. Mm -hmm. But that's why sometimes when I hear the same joke on 55 shows, I'm like, Oh, nope. It's a Ganser prize. It's no big deal. Don't be mad. She's just doing her thing. She didn't write on this though. Did she? Uh, You know what? Maybe she ghost wrote on it. Who knows? Maybe this (laughs) is Megan Gans is like, so in 1994, while at the height of her pop career, Mariah Carey was burning out on being America's sweetheart, so she recorded a punk album in uh, LA, and it was like a girl pop punk album, and uh, she recorded it under a pseudonym, and it was actually one of the best-reviewed independent records of the year, and she didn't take credit for it until like three years ago. And <laughs> um, maybe this is Megan is that.
0: Except we might never actually find out because I don't think this is the best reviewed independent Netflix production of the last whatever
3: years, right? So, yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, back you up on that one.
2: What's really interesting to me is looking back and looking into the credits of the series, the showrunner is a writer named Tim Hedrick, whose credentials before this were, oh my god, right? Yeah, he was a staff writer on Avatar The Last Airbender, he wrote 15 episodes of Legend of Korra. He was a story editor on 60 episodes of Voltron Legendary Defender. So it's not like he has no experience. But I sort of feel about this show the way I ultimately came to feel about Marvel's What If. I don't know what you're trying to be. And that one was also written by someone who has a lot of experience. It was shown by a woman who ran Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters, which I mentioned earlier. But that was another series where I was like you're saying a lot of stuff and you're making a lot of fart jokes that make it really hard for me to take this seriously as an actual part of this overall film franchise. It was a little bit different with spy racers because you know, fast and furious doesn't take itself quite as seriously in the same way as the Marvel cinematic universe, which has a lot more individual moving parts fast and furious is more one linear narrative but I still feel similarly that I don't think it matched the tone of what it was supposed to be.
0: And I feel like with what if there was like a disconnect in the marketing where it's like, hey, this is a fun standalone kind of thing that like you can pay attention to or not. And then by the end, it's like, oh, no, you had to watch this because like this is like – explain. it's like it's important to the overall thing. Like that would be like if this by the end was just like – and this is, the, this is the prequel to Fast and Furious 10. It's like, wait, what? Why? Why? Wow, yeah. What? So, like, I, I do see the comparisons, but, like, I think the what if was, like, a different kind of failure or a different kind of, like, scratch your head moment at least, right? But, like, yeah, I don't know. They're both weird.
3: This is where Dom gets the back injury. That's the main plot yes. element of the yeah Yeah,
0: they, they flash back at a live action to the animated him holding up a sign. It's just like... <laughs> And the the theater is like, what the fuck is this? We're like, oh my God, it's Spy Racers.
1: No, that's what I really want. I want the other way, Joey. I want Tyler Posey and Vin Diesel to be acting in live action versions of the flashback.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. You said you wanted a what if, where it's what if Echo was actually in The Fast and Furious, the real one. So, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, so, like, when they do the flashback, it's real. It's not like flashback to animation. It's flashback to Tyler Posey and Vin Diesel being like, I'm so glad I got to beat up somebody with my cousin. And you're like, what the fuck was that? Did they just live action spy racers? Like, that would be even weirder to me.
2: Isn't Echo the one that was in a movie already, or am I thinking of someone else?
1: Nobody in a movie already, but there was someone. The video game ones. The video game ones. They were pitching. That's what it is. Thank you. Could possibly enter the universe, and they didn't.
0: Three other very quick things that I liked. I like that there's a laser whale, which is you know what they (laughs) use to like create these like little whatever. the the pulses that, like, break up the polar ice caps to flood the coast. I think just the fact that there's a laser whale is cool. I think it's strange that they quote The Godfather 3, that just when they think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yes! Like, sure. <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> yes. That feels like one of those things where it's become such a part of the vernacular that most people don't even know what that is a reference to anymore. Not most, but a lot of people. Yeah. It's just a thing people say. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's not.
0: Well, I mean, I would guess having seen them both for the first time in the last like five years more people have more recently seen the first season episode of the sopranos where they cold open that and they don't know that they're they're quoting something even though they might even say in that thing they're just like oh yeah that's just you know that's from the sopranos like well they're quoting godfather three him in his kitchen or whatever right but like yeah i mean i'm sure in the grand scheme of things more people have seen the godfather three than the sopranos but recently (laughs) yeah well yes i mean spy racers are bigger than both of all of course obviously did I have a third thing? I don't know, but I do like that sissy grilling Dom. She's like, you like unicorns more or mermaids? And he doesn't answer. But I want to know, do you guys think that Dom likes unicorns or mermaids more?
3: I don't know, but if you search Dom and sissy on the internet at the same time, you're going to get some very fucking different results.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Which is extra fucked up given that they're father
0: daughter, I mean, come on, Google.
1: <sighs>
0: get your shit together. <laughs> Joe, any final thoughts about Fast and Furious Spy Racers Homecoming? Yes,
1: I really liked it. In this season, we finally gave Frosty a fucking job. From the jump, Frosty was, like, involved physically in the whatever thing that they were doing. Like, the event. What is it? The Fuck, what word am I looking for? Like, their mission? Mission, yeah. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I'm
3: trying to get to the mute button. Must unmute for him. The action event.
1: The action event, and then by the end, Frosty gets to drive and race and do all kinds of other things, and I thought that was really cool, because I was sick of Frosty being just a fucking passenger. It felt like you said that Frosty's kind of all over the place a lot of the time. It felt like finally Frosty, like, had a role.
3: Yeah. Nico, final thoughts? It's not that I won't miss what the show could have been. Uh, I will miss what the show could have been. I would love to get a chance to, like, redo it someday, but, like, not dumb, and I don't mean that meaning, <laughs> but it's that use of dumb that I said earlier. It purposely plays to some sillier humor. That's part of its goal is to be a little bit silly. So I would probably try and avoid uh, some of the pratfalls that definitely took the the potential sale, the wind out of the sails of the show. It had a lot of characters and a lot of heart, but it really had a hard time stringing episodes together. I will miss what it could have been, but I will gladly watch whatever these creatives, both on air talent and animators and writers, I'll gladly watch something else they do next instead.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And Kevo, final thoughts?
2: I don't want to be so negative on it, especially because I am someone who frequently enjoys watching children's animated shows. I still love stuff like that. Like I mentioned earlier, I've watched the Zordon era of the Power Rangers at least, like, six times. (laughs) So, it's not that I can't appreciate something of this genre. And that's even more what's throwing me off, though.
0: I think the thing to keep in mind if you're listening, like, I don't know why they're hating on my favorite... I mean, I think if you love Spy Racers, you probably are, A, not listening to Too Fast Too Forever, but B, not listening to Far Into the Episode. But I think the thing to keep in mind, to that exact point, Kevo, is that we're only as negative and critical of it as we are because it could be great. And because there are things about it that we do like and that the characters are good. And it's frustrating that it doesn't fulfill the potential. Like, if it just sucked, we would have way less to talk about. But the fact that it is good occasionally and that there are good characters and the voice performances are largely great and the world it inhabits is good and interesting it should be better and it's not. And so we're only critical because we want it to succeed and fly high and it just doesn't. Right. So
1: very
2: fair, especially with the creative team behind it, who we love from so many other things.
3: Because, you know, if we hated it, it would be a lot easier to just do stand-up about it and be a lot funnier instead of trying to be constructive. Instead of saying, hey, this thing that a lot of kids watch, kids who may someday never drive a car, but in this world very well may need a prosthetic, don't need to see driving cars makes you cool, having a prosthetic arm makes you weird. That's all we're saying. The ideas were there. The heart was there. The love of family. Was there the lack of Dom moving his mouth was there. But <laughs> what what we needed a little bit more was just kind of like that projected thoughtfulness that TV needs to continue working toward.
0: Because again, it is an inclusive looking cast, but then, it, you know, I didn't pick up on it. I don't think Joe picked up on It, it took you yeah. guys who are way more thoughtful about it six seasons to realize, hey, wait a minute. It's not doing what it could or should be doing, right? So... Better, but be even better. And what's with this spy gum? That's me doing Seinfeld doing stand-up about yeah. spy racers. And <laughs>
2: uh, what's the deal with incineration day? I'm
3: Gary, and I'm doing the Elaine dance. <laughs> Gary! gentlemen, <laughs> This episode comes out Friday. What would you like to plug? Uh, funny enough, if this episode comes out Friday and you want to hear me get even angrier about environmental issues, you should just check out Wednesdays, all new, X-Wed, X-Wednesdays. Now, what the hell's the name of show? X is for <laughs> podcast. Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is three days a week with shorter episodes, guys. I hear you, right? So now we have Magic Mondays, X-Men X-Wednesdays, and... Marvel Fridays, because there's only so much fucking alliteration, okay? And so this coming X Wednesday, we're going to have X-Men Green, the aforementioned why does everybody who wants to save the planet have to kill all the animals storyline. So if, if you're vibing my crazy, you can hear more there, but also just that show in general. Cool and uh, Keva, what would you like to plug? You you since our last
0: episode, you guys have rebranded to be Hubs Plus, a content network. I might have the subtitle wrong, but anything you want to plug there or otherwise, elsewhere, wherever?
2: No, you were right. Um, you know, to this uh, this obviously was a very hard year beyond just COVID. I suffered a very personal loss, so uh, we are regrouping as we come into twenty twenty two to provide more content there. We are going to continue doing things like HTML husbands talking more or less, but we also wanted a venue to be able to post things from X's for podcast or just stupid little mini things that we want to post. So we have a YouTube channel, are just a few follows short of being able to get our own URL, and I want it so bad. So give us a follow over on YouTube, Hubs Plus, and you're going to start seeing some really cool content off of that real soon.
0: Well, I'll put it out on our Twitter, and hopefully you'll get a couple more, because you're close to 100, and 100 gets the custom URL, right? So you're yep. you're almost there. Next week, we are doing the Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, an episode you and I have already recorded. Which is that a blast. Is out Next, so stay tuned for that. Go watch that movie if you've not seen it yet. You can rent it just about anywhere for 2 or 3 bucks. so go do that, because it's awesome. It's a Straw Brothers action movie. But Nico Kevo, thank you both so, so very much for joining us once again, for joining us for this entire Spy Racers journey. And you'll be back at some point for something, if not F10, something before that, who knows. But thank you once again for joining us for All Things Spy Racers. When is F10? Next May, May 23. But if you ask The Rock, it's going to happen sometime in a slim chance in hell. For all things, too fast, too forever, you can go to cageclub.me, <laughs> facebook.com, slash, too fast, too forever, or at too fast, too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at too fast, forever.com and our store at too fast, forever.shop. And come back on Tuesday for the eight diagram pole fighter. I'm Joey Lewandowski.
1: I'm Joe, Two.
0: And that was Kevo Reese and Nico Vasello of the Hubs Plus Network. Find that on YouTube and we'll tell you all about it. Let me see.